Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. As dance music has become increasingly commercial, it's developed into a business with lots of different people involved. Labels are now making millions of pounds producing classic hits that we all love to sing along to in a club, in the gym, at home, but often the vocalists, who are the lifeblood of the track, which they've often written as well, are faceless, nameless and forgotten, particularly women. And there's a huge number of incredible singers who've been sampled on number one hits over the years without ever reaping any of the profits. When I was a teenager getting into dance music, I never knew who the vocalists were on my favourite house tracks. Kings of Tomorrow, finally, had Julie McKnight. Dennis Ferrer, Hey Hey, with Shinigi Shaniwa from the Noisettes. Black Box, Ride on Time, with the iconic vocals of Lolita Holloway. But they're not even credited on the tracks. And I've always wondered, why is it that the producer is prioritised as the primary artist and the vocalist is seen as secondary? Surely it's wrong. So today, I wanted to speak to some of the women whose voices have been soundtracking our clubs for years and find out more about their careers and their experiences within the industry. I'm joined by Rowetta, the powerhouse who's part of the Happy Mondays and has been countlessly sampled by everyone from the Black Eyed Peas, Laid Back Luke to Todd Terry, Angie Brown, who's sung with Bizarre Inc. on I'm Gonna Get You Baby, as well as featuring on Return of the Mac, and Becky Hill, whose distinct vocals brought us countless club bangers from Gecko Overdrive, Afterglow and Peace of Me. There are so many women I want to mention as well who've brought to life some of my favourite tracks, Kelly Lee, Karen Harding, Martha Wash, who just aren't celebrated as much as they should be. I wanted to explore this in today's episode, as it's a huge problem in modern day dance music. My name is Jaguar, and welcome to Utopia Talks. Thank you all so much for being here. I'm really excited to hear your stories and experiences as vocalists in electronic music. So I think we should start um, by you telling us how we got into music and just your journeys as artists and writers. Angie, we'll start with you. Nice to be here. Thank you, Jaguar. Really, I'm one of those people that started like everybody else at school. You're in the school choir, in the school plays and um, as I got older uh, my mum you know you're in the right place right time my mum was uh, on a holiday with with her foster children loads of them at Butlins they used to have these competitions like singing competitions every week and she said why don't you get up and sing a song and I thought nah I don't want to do that mum I was about <laughs> I was about 15 and um, anyway I got up and I sang brown girl in the ring and I, and, I, and I won and then I got a taste for it and then you know the rest is history through the 80s I was doing catering and singing in bands but dreaming about being a singer the whole time and doing a lot of rock doing a lot of pop and doing a lot of soul music so when house came along it was like the perfect genre for me after doing loads of rock music and singing quiet in that Big Tina mm. Turnaway, you know, house music came along and it was just perfect because you, you still need that edginess and the bigness, but it was over much more soulful mm. beats and, mm. um, you know, music. So that's how I got into it. Right yeah. place, right time. I used to go to a club called Singers as well. And uh, uh, in the early 90s, they had these open mic nights in London where you could just turn up. And, and, and I used to go to Singers and Voices and... I got a chance to network like that. 
So they wanted someone who sounded like Jocelyn Brown. So I put myself forward. Wow. <laughs> and just like, it was a bluff, but it paid, paid off. off. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And obviously part of Bizarre Inc. and some inc- iconic tunes. Thank you. And how did that all come about with those guys? Well, Bizarre Inc., I mean, back in the day, there was these bootlegs going around. OK, so it was a 12 inch record and it had Ride on Time. It had, don't ask me, but everything that was a big hit in the 90s, early 90s, was on this bootleg. It had little cuts, a lot of um Laletta Holloway and Martha Wash. Candy Stanton was on there. Loads of people were on there. And um, basically, somebody rang me up and said, can you sing like Jocelyn? And I thought, I went to drama school. I know that a lot of the process is in your head because we can do a lot of things that we, you know, we can achieve a lot that we think we can't. And I, I thought I wanted the money. So I just sort of said, yeah, I can sing like Jocelyn. And I thought, you liar. You're going to get caught out. You're going to get caught out. But maybe about a month or two before, I did an advert. The advert went like this. So walk that walk to old McDonald's now. Right? So I was doing this advert, right, where I was 20-something but sounding like a 50-something-year-old. But I think it's a psychology. Do you know what I mean? Think American. Think old. Think heat. Think fried chicken, girl. Think, think, think. And get into the character. And so when I did meet Bizarre Inc. and they said, can you sing like Jocelyn? I said, yes, I can. And <laughs> let's do it. But literally, you know, that big singing, I'd never done it before to that capacity. So I gave them that look to say, let's come on, let's get the vocal now. Let's get the vocal in the next <laughs> 10 minutes. Otherwise, my voice isn't going to last. But yeah, that's and, and we recorded it. They got the bits they wanted and it went in again to do the da 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 And then they were done. We were done. And then three months later, it was in the charts. Wow. That is an incredible story. I know, right place, right time thing, you know what I mean? And just um, bluffing your way through. Because when I used to go to these nightclubs as well in London, there used to be record companies there and talent scouts Mm. as well. And I'd always introduce myself like, you should know me already. Do you know what I mean? I was like, it was never, hi, I'm Angie. It was always, hi, I'm Angie Brown. Like, they said, yeah, I've heard of Angie. No, you didn't, because I've just come from Penge High Street. Do you know what I mean? So you're you're bluffing, I'm bluffing. But that's that's how I got in, really, just lying my way. <laughs> Love that. And what an amazing career you've had. And we'll get into the highlights in a bit. Thank you. Um, Rowetta, let's come to you next, actually. Well, a lot of people, the come out of the womb singing they say they want to be a singer and they want to be famous a lot of people and I didn't I never had any interest in it my mum always told me to shut up when I did sing along to anything my voice was a bit too loud and a bit too stuck out and I think Shirley Bassey said something similar when she went to join the choir she didn't fit in so she didn't get in the choir neither did I so I started to play the trumpet instead <laughs> but I just I wasn't that that interested though in singing I was a punk when it came down to it when I got to about 10, 11, 1976, and I saw the Sex Pistols. I just wanted to join a punk band and be Blondie and something like that. Just So it didn't really interest me at all. And then um, a lady was dying and I was looking after her. She had cancer and she heard me singing along to something and she just got goosebumps and it made her cry. And she ran a pub. My mum worked in the pub downstairs. So I went downstairs. Uh, she said to me, go and get on that stage with this keyboard player free and easy night. And people started crying and standing up and cheering. And I was just messing about. And wow. I just I just got that bug straight away. I was about 12, 13. And then I went to Butlins as well and started winning talent competitions. And I just always won talent competitions. That's all I was doing, just messing about again. And then the school that wouldn't, one school wouldn't let me be in the choir. Then they started doing musicals around me. And it was just amazing. I didn't even go to school. I just wagged school all the time and just went in for drama and went in <laughs> for my musical. And everybody knew I was just glue sniffing and then going singing at school to do these musicals. I was just loving it. And then I did the clubs, did really well in the working men's clubs. But then I met my ex-husband and had two little children, but he beat me up a lot. So for five years, I was a battered wife. And then I went into a women's aid refuge, stopped singing completely. And um, just had to start again. I was in the Women's Aid Refuge for five months. Oh my God. And just music was the last thing on my mind. 
So, and then that's the end. was around then. I did, there was this guy called Dave Rowe who used to go out with Denise Johnson, the late Denise Johnson. And um, he just, I just got a job for about two weeks. I think it's the only job I've ever had working behind the bar to know, to try to get to know people in this new area I was living in. And um, he heard me singing along behind the bar and said, do you want to be on this tune? And it was a group called Vanilla Sound Core. And we did a few gigs. I wrote my first tune. Mike Pickering gave it a good review. I sang with Mike Pickering and Graham Park. And then everything just started to come from that. I did this tune, Reach Out, which everybody's sampled since. Um, I'd go in the Hacienda, but I kept hearing my voice, but I didn't realise that this Reach Out had been sampled so much. So I'd say, what's this tune? I'd go and ask the DJ. They'd say, it's Slammy Turner. I went, but it sounds like me, but there's no mention of me. And then Todd Terry, Lime Life, Baby Can You Reach? I'm like, that's my voice been speeded up. But if you don't know that an acapella has been left on the back of a white bootleg, you wouldn't know. And I didn't know. So um, it was really flattering. But obviously, I wasn't getting credited in any way for these. And it was all the time happening. So I didn't get credited for ages. Not probably till maybe 20 years later, maybe 2009 with Boom Boom Pow, probably Black Eyed Peas. Where by then, you've got to ask permission. And by then, I knew that I was being sampled. And... Um, so now I do find out and I do, but it's still happening. Oliver Heldens has been the best. I know you've sung with him, but he's been so generous and making sure I get credit for it for it when he's used it. And Black Eyed Peas end up paying me, but not crediting me, but it's cool. Um, but to really, I just do it without trying. And the songwriting I've done without trying, just, I just love it. I just love what I do. I love singing. I love, I love um, the response from the audience. I just love music. I love writing i love singing i love performing i just love what it does to people and i can't wait for people to dance again too when i'm singing yeah that's me yes i get too emotional me (laughs) but i've done loads Um, obviously i joined happy mondays and all that as well so i've done i did end up doing punk stuff that's what i wanted to find out about oh yeah tell us more about happy mondays go on well first of all bez fancied me and and he was weird (laughs) and when i was singing a gig at the ritz and um and then I saw them on TV on a, t- a programme hosted by Tony Wilson. And I just thought, this is the band that I want to sing with. Forget about everything else I'm doing. Um, and I was <sighs> being offered deals as well, solo deals, but I just wanted to join Happy Mondays. And it's, it took me about six months to join them. I sat in the office every day, dropped my kids off at school, sat in the office, got to know everybody, got to know the T-shirt guys, the artwork people. And it just felt like I was one of them. And it was just my dream. It was I was in a punk band, really. I still am. And I just loved it. Mm-hmm. And then when Paul Oakenfold did a remix with Steve Osborne, they were looking for a voice for Step On. And um, it was my dream come true. I couldn't believe it. And, yeah, it's just... And then, you know, we were doing Wembley and GMEX all of a sudden and doing Maracana Stadium, Glastonbury and all that. But when I wanted to join them, they were just a small band, really, a cult band. And I wanted to be like the girl from T-Rex, Gloria, and do that what yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah. And I think I sort of do that now. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy. That we're still going now. We've got a gig on Sunday. It's amazing. Yeah, Love I identify it. with T-Rex when I talk about sort of that punky monkey days, you know. Yeah. The 20th century boy, you yeah, know, exactly. and, and also the same, um, the backing vocalists on the Rolling Stones stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't class that as backing vocals. That's just an amazing voice. No, yeah, that uh, yeah it's song. a part of the I sound. I hate this backing, yeah. backing vocal uh, term yeah. and um, I right. really have a problem with it. I didn't do backing vocals. I sing with Happy Mondays because I want to and I sing where I want yeah, to. Yeah. They like me all over the record. Sean doesn't like singing that much. He's lazy. So he'd have me on all over the place, you know, and I can write what I want with them. So it's a, it's just the best job in the world. But I have to do my house stuff as well because I can't sing the same thing all the time. And I can't sing just with Sean. That's just, you know, I like writing and, and doing my own melodies. And so it's great that we're still doing it, but I like doing the other stuff as well. I really love house music and, and soul music and every music. I like doing different genres. Yeah, great. I think that's what makes you guys so, like, just incredible as well, is that you all transcend so many different genres as well. Um, I think House is, though. Yeah, it, which it it's is. a little bit of everything. It's got some Barry White strings. It's got some James Brown. Oh! Yeah. Yeah! Oh! And then it's got some Aretha Franklin over that bit, and then you hear a bit of some Luther. That's Luther. I can hear it. And it's that. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, Ro. Becky, it's your turn. Go on then. Well, I only really have 10 years to talk about. Um, I And what are 10 years? <laughs> I've yeah, I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, now you guys have got so much wisdom. I have no idea what I am doing. We're old. I, um, 
had a big brother who got me into dance music when I was a very young kid, mainly drum and bass. But that kind of transformed over the years into dubstep, electro, and then house music and disco and that sort of stuff. I was, I learned the guitar when I was 10 years old. I started writing music when I was 13. I was in a band when I was 15 and I'd written an album's worth of music by the time I was 17. Doing local wow. gigs around the area, I met a fellow musician who was also on the open mic scene. I was too young to get into the pubs, but people would let me in because I could sing. Um, and I actually managed <laughs> to get a bar job when I was underage <laughs> because I used to turn up and I, I knew the bosses through doing the open mic scene around Worcestershire. Um, we did that for a couple of years and then a fellow musician recommended me to go on The Voice and sent me the application form through and I just happened to go on. I had written the lyrics to Ordinary People down on my hand. I hadn't practiced. I hadn't rehearsed. I went, no way. I went down on my own. I did the, re I did the public audition. I even remember sat in like the audition hall thinking, what the fuck am I doing here, man? <laughs> I'd never applied for X Factor. I was always a bit too cool for school. I, I say I was too cool for school. I was always too shy to do the YouTube thing. I thought people would take the piss out of me at school. It wasn't really something that was done at school either. I actually am completely the opposite to Angie. Like my friends were into music, but nobody sang. I didn't know any singers and the first load of singers that I met was on The Voice. Wow. I was voted out in the semi-finals and then I kept all of my contacts and knocked on doors. And at 18 years old, I left my family home. I left my hometown, all of my friends and everybody I knew and relocated down to London to follow my dream. I knocked on doors wow. and met my manager I stole the lawyer that I had when I was on The Voice to become my lawyer <laughs> and my manager put me in writing and I'd never written a song with anybody else before and I had started writing with other people. In this time, I wrote Powerless with Rudimental, Afterglow with Wilkinson and I'd written my first debut single, Losing, with my best friend, Emanike, which got me signed to Parlophone and dropped from Parlophone. In the time that I was signed to Parlophone, I had a number one single with Overdrive with Oliver Heldens, who I retweet Yay. your comment, who is an mm. absolute sweetheart and can't do enough is, for anybody. And then after that, number one, my single got pushed back to December and I was quickly dropped when I didn't reach the top 40. Wow. After that, I started up my own label, Echo Records, and used the remainder of my record deal money and sunk it all into releasing my own music, setting up my own shows. And it was really by the support of Radio One that I started making noise with my own EP, the Echo EP. Um, because of the success of that record and also I had False Alarm out with Matoma, which was a top 40 record, um, I then started getting label interest once again and that is when I met Polydor, who I was the most arrogant bitch you'd ever meet when I had that those record meetings. <laughs> I was still <laughs> so hurt from being dropped by my first label cool. that I sat back in my chair, sure. my arms spread over the back, going, what are you lot going to do for me that I ain't already doing? And the label loved it. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. They said that they would <laughs> they would take love my that. career from this level and take me to that level and they wouldn't leave me if one single didn't do well. I have wow. released four singles with the label and this is my most successful one, which is heading towards the top 10. And I am about to release, after nearly 10 years in the music industry, I'm about to release my debut album, which is Yay. out in August. Wow. Um, Amazing. Wow. wow. <laughs> I want to cut, yeah. Yeah, but you're so brave, so brave, so so Brilliant. strong woman and talk about sisters doing it for themselves. Mm. I would have never done that. I would have never, right, I'm starting my own label. Oh, they dropped me and this one, you know, I wasn't even in, I wasn't even in the Bizarre Inc. videos, really. You might have done, though, Angie, it was different back then. We didn't even have mobile phones. 
We didn't know. We, didn't I commu- know. we couldn't communicate I know. with each other. We couldn't send yeah. voices. Now I can send voices over to my voice to America and stuff. Couldn't do anything. I don't know how we managed to record something on a cassette tape and send it to someone <laughs> or we didn't snap. It was just, you know, yeah. I just, I re- I'm really envious of the singers and songwriters now because you can work with anybody. It's so easy now. I'm loving it. I have a studio mm. at home. Everything's easy. Yeah, everything can be made. I did a podcast myself, actually, called The Art of Rave. And oh, yeah. I interviewed Pete Tong and Andy C and Fabio and Groove Rider and some of my heroes. Um, Sister Bliss from Faithless as well was fascinating oh, to talk her. to. Nice. And it was some of my heroes growing up. And what this podcast was all about was educating my generation on how hard it used to be to obtain music. Because I think when I got to the dance floor and when I started going to raves, it was almost like something was missing and that it wasn't able to get back. And I couldn't work out whether it was because people had mobile phones so people couldn't get as off their head as they used to or the drugs had changed, you know? Or (laughs) Or whether because, you know... Like Andy C was fascinating because he used to talk about pirate radio and how you would have to ring up a radio station and ask what the song three songs ago was. And then you had to go into the record shop and sing that song that you'd remember. You'd have to remember to the record man and the record man would have to be able to be a human Shazam (laughs) to try and find the record you were on about. And and making songs was a whole load of our sake. I spoke to Groove Armada who said that they had their DAT tapes in the back of their car and they had a car crash and it was oh, horrible what? for them because that was the only that was the only backup of the song that they had that they were trying to take to the label and i God. think you're right i think that that is definitely one thing that you know and spotify even since i joined the music industry 10 years ago like Spotify in itself has changed the landscape of how music is consumed yeah. and i think yeah. one of the reasons why i wanted to you know I felt very intimidated coming onto this podcast, <laughs> but one of, no, one of the what? No. well because it's just two legendary women who have been you know very prominent. No. But anyway, I'm not no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. But I wanted to talk about how difficult it is in this day and age for featured vocalists. And Rowetta, yeah. it's so interesting that you say you mm. hate the word backing singer mm. because for me it's like. Featured singer is is a, yeah. is a little bit in the same category because I was yeah. uh, it's so difficult for featured singers now to break through. They drop the featured, they drop the singer, I and mean, even Becky did it. Not your fault, Becky, but you played Jodie Harsh featuring Rowetta, and you just mentioned Jodie. It's not your fault, but I was I felt terrible because we were talking about it. It was like you did that to me, but you didn't know. But me being on Radio One with Jodie Harsh was amazing, but my name yeah. didn't get mentioned. And I'm like, oh, I know it's not your fault. It just happens oh. all the time. I didn't know. I didn't like. I it know. wasn't on the on the track, and I and I realized afterwards, and I felt awful. It's because it should have been featuring Rowetta. I told her on the next track, you need to mention yes. me. Yes, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. But it's like, no, they don't. Quite often, they but don't. that should be the standard, shouldn't it? it should of be course, already. I wrote, I wrote it's the, a collaboration. I wrote the flipping song. I wrote the melody mm. and the vote and the lyrics, and yet I'm just my name is drops exactly the same. The backing singer thing I get because it seems to just be black girls a lot. Talisa from N Dubs doesn't get it. Fergie from Black Eyed Peas. So it just pisses me off when they say Rowetta, the backing singer from Happy Mondays. There's no need for them to say mm. it anyway. Um, and much more than that. Oh, yes, I've been sampled and didn't get credited for years. And I don't get credited a lot still now as much as I should. But And that's different. That is a different thing. But yeah, I've always said on Happy Mondays, on Step On, it says guest vocals, Rowetta. There's never, it was never going to be backing vocalist. I'm not a backing singer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and we've all been in Spain shopping in a supermarket, and then you you hear a piece of music and you think, that's me. Yeah, so I said I did that in the house. Yeah, I've always been out somewhere, and I thought, oh, the the beginning of that sounds. Oh, it's just oh, they don't oh, they don't credit you because they you don't know. want to pay you, and it's disgusting. It's just greedy or egos, and I don't get it. I don't get why you wouldn't mention someone. But I have said to people like Todd Terry, you can have the money, just mention me. And we've written about four songs since recently. But I don't care mm. if he doesn't if he doesn't pay me or share any money with me, but just mention me. Yeah, but why why is the producer, why is the person doing the production or the, the DJ or the sound person, really? I know they're good at production, but why is the vocalist... Secondary. Not, yeah, not yeah. getting the same... And the producer is the main artist. 
it's either ego or money, but it's wrong. And I'm trying to change that for myself. And now I do get credited a lot more. And, you know, and like Becky, I always hear your name, you know, before, sometimes before the other guy, the guys you're singing with. And that's amazing. That's so, so far ahead of how it used to be. It used to be terrible, really, really bad. And it's still for yeah. some singers, I think. I think there's three points that popped into my mind. The one was, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, especially if you are writing the melodies and the and the top line. Yeah, almost always. Then that's a really important part of the track. Like Gecko had been out for 12 months previous to me putting my top line on it and it hadn't reached mm-hmm. the top 40. Me and Em and EK were in the studio, wrote the song, we vocaled it and it went to number one three weeks later. And, exactly. you know, for me, I never got uh, an ounce like I remember finding out that it was number one and it not feeling like it was mine it wasn't my number one because people didn't know who I was even though my name was even on the track people didn't give a fuck and it was really difficult no, I think my other point on this is that I have had a manager who has been there for me since I left the voice who has fought you know, really, really hard to make sure that my name is present on that track and on every track that I've done. And Gecko was actually the first track that I'd done where it wasn't featuring Becky Hill, it was and Becky Hill. Yeah. I had mm, yeah, equal yeah. thing. But then I also noticed totally, like, I agree with you guys. Like, I I still was listening to these songs on radio and it was, that was Oliver Heldens, that was Matoma, that was, yeah. you know, yeah. the, and yeah. my name was nowhere to be, to, to be mentioned. I think the third yeah, point yeah. from this as well is that also I've got to recognise my privilege here, you know, and... And I suppose this is another reason why I was a little bit intimidated coming on this is because from a, from a white girl's perspective, there you're right. Like this is a problem that black women face more often than mm. any white woman does. And not for me yeah. to sit here and say that it isn't a problem for me as well, but it's just not as big as a problem. And I think yeah, this yeah. is something that really needs to be spoken about. And I find oh, it quite you. difficult to talk yeah. about it being a white girl. It's a very difficult yeah. line to tread. And so it fucking yeah. should be. Yeah. But I also it's, think mm-hmm. that, you know, if you look at music now, right? Mm -hmm. There are no black women in there, especially from the UK, right? If you look at, if you look at music in the early noughties, you had Mystique, you had, Mm. you know, there were, there were Simon Webb for fuck's sake, like Craig (laughs) David, there were, there were people of color who were in the charts and nobody looked at their, the the color of their skin. Whereas now I feel like it's even harder for a person of color to break through in pop music or dance music. Half of the fucking producers that are making these records are white men. Like as far as singers go, that's one section, but even in production, like women are now an anomaly. I was listening to a Diplo and Friends tune and he was saying, this is my favorite female producer. And I was thinking, this is your favorite producer, full stop. It doesn't matter that she's a female or not, like it shouldn't matter. And I think, you know, when we're talking about vocals specifically, you know, it's very easy for us to get used and mm. not mentioned. Ride on Time, actually, yeah. is a really good story that Emma and EK told me the other day, and I'm really glad you mentioned her, Angie, because Loetta H- Holloway, am Holloway. I saying that right? Loetta Holloway. Yeah, she... Holletta. yeah. She... That song was a sample, right? This is what yeah. Emma and EK told mm-hmm. me yeah, the other day, yeah. and I was shocked by this. Yeah. Oh, we all know, and they got a model to do the video. It was and a everyone skinny thought it was model. Yeah. A very, very skinny model to mine. Yeah. And we watched it on Top of the Pops and we all knew that's, that's not, not her voice. It's awful. We all knew it. But it happened a lot back yeah. in the day, right? Mm-hmm. But it's about packaging. They didn't use it for any videos, the least all the way. They wouldn't use it for any videos because she was bigger. She was, because what else? Why else? Bigger and Yeah, yeah. Know, Big dark, and black. I don't know what the reason was. It was shocking. Older. Yeah. But she's the most sample, one of the most sampled voices. voices. Martha Wash as well, the same. Yeah. It's only because they think sex sells. If sex sells, then what they would before this diversity thing has come around, even seeing black people on TV and adverts and bigger women, not everyone's small and blonde. Mm, no. So I think people have changed their ideals, their idealisms and what's in their heads because we're seeing disabled people on TV. We're seeing people who are not perfect. But prior to that 
big shift. Mm. You know, it was, it was, even in house music, you could get away with that big black vocal, but it's got a little, still little girl and a tiny little mankini vibration going on in the video. <laughs> and you think, what is that all about? What is that all about? Because people will sell out because the white men running the record companies think, right, our shareholders this is wanna, what people want to make money mm. and sex sells. They don't think, oh, well, you know, that big black woman, someone might fancy her. She might be 25, so, but somebody out there thinks she's attractive. I do all right. Do you know what I mean? Because she's, you know, she's got a, she's <laughs> well, got a course, kid, whatever. When you think about you it, know? it's completely ridiculous. And I want to ask you guys, like, do you think it's improved since then? Because we've just spoken about... But on the on the flip side, Becky is speaking about like black faces in pop music and in house music, you know, and you're right. Like, like you think we would have improved since then. But then if you look at the charts, I'm still not seeing representation either. It feels like it's improved a little bit for me because I've made okay. sure it normally says Androetta or slash but I've really you know and I don't have a manager so I do it all myself and I just say oh by the way can you just mention you know can it be Androetta and I asked them before I signed the contract and it usually is Salado they'd be the tune before me with that ecstasy when it's Martha Washi's voice she didn't get mentioned and it's her voice she's got the most incredible voice so whenever I when I did the tune with Salado whenever I did interviews I mentioned and and Martha Washi's voice on that one is Martha I just kept mentioning because he just said Salado and Eli Brown doesn't say yeah Martha you're Watch. right you're so right so, that was with a huge me, I, because they're from manchester i'll just slap mark if you didn't put my name on it anyway because i've worked with him about six years ago from slado and i do love them i think we're going, we're going i'm going to be in mallorca with him tomorrow um on a little holiday so i do love <laughs> the salado lads but it's not always them it can be the record label ultra should have made sure that martha wash was mentioned or whoever's late whatever label they came on you know and, and martha wash says thank you every time i mention a name but everyone should know martha wash's name it's disgusting they don't just like lolita holloway it's disgusting mm. they don't I don't get as upset for me now because I am getting mentioned a little bit even a little bit it's better than nothing people know that's my voice now on, at the beginning of the show May Love people know and it like took me years to get rid of the X Factor tag because I did the first year of that I was the top woman on that so I did well on it but it's really hard to shake isn't Becky you'll know like that yeah. from the voice 100% I think the voice is a bit mm. the voice is cooler than the X Factor but I did the first year and I thought I just wanted people to know that, about my voice that's why I did it the music business is full of greedy people. Come on. Yeah. It's not people that are heart-led. If it was heart-led, if it was a heart-led business and people did it because we, the artists, we're emotional about it because we love music mm-hmm. and we love singing. But the people running it, the machine, they don't care. All they care it's about a business is to them. That's all they it's care profits. about. Yeah, That's why it's great. If you can find a good manager, I always yeah. say if you can find one, like you've got, Becky. And, and if you don't find that, I mean, I've, I'm managed because I'm, I'm 55 and a half now and a half. So um, I'm not as, you know, it doesn't really, I love work. I'm going to keep working and I'm working yeah. with people that have always, like some of my heroes as well. Some of the young ones, my, Oliver Heldens, I loved what he did with you. So I was just amazed. And yep. when he came across as so generous and humble and lovely and only 25, I was like, God, straight away he said to me, here's my number. If you need anything, ring me. And it's a good job I didn't fancy him. I'd been on the phone all the time to him. He <laughs> <laughs> was just oh, literally just kind. Uh, oh, <laughs> he's, he's cute, isn't he? He's adorable. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to ask here, if you go back to like, we're, we're speaking actually, me and Angie, just before we started recording, like if you go back 
to like the 80s, 70s, like you, and we had when we had these big singers like Lolita Holloway and or a bit later on Ultra Nate, Cece Peniston, Crystal Waters, like in dance music, it did it. Well, looking back, obviously, it wasn't there, but it feels like the artists there were being pushed as artists. But now we've moved to where we are now, and as we've mentioned, it's like it's the producer. And if, if you get mentioned and the featured artists and I wanted to and, and kind of if you boil it down, it's kind of like these these men, these male producers, male record label people making money of songs that a lot of women have written and singing yeah. on. And I wanted to ask, like, why do you think it's shifted into that way? Is, is there a reason? Well, people like John and Summer would have got a big record deal. I don't think they're giving big record yeah. deals to a lot of the young black girls or older black women. I've not got a record deal. Now, I've had a record deal and uh, with uh, Paul Oakenfold's label years ago and then one from the X Factor, but it was the wrong type of... I didn't want to do X Factor songs. Um, I'd be singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow forever or something. So, um, <laughs> But I'm happy, actually, to, because of my age, I don't think... I think if I did an album now, it would probably have to appeal to an older audience, probably as an album. I don't think mm. it would work. So I think I'm I'm best staying as I am, doing my tunes. Yeah, with me too. People. I agree. Yeah, I'm dead happy with that. But I would have loved to have had yeah. a proper album deal and do really well like Becky's got. That would have been a dream for me back then. No. But it just wasn't to be, well. you know, and I, I always put Happy Mondays first as well, stupidly, or, or boys. And um, <laughs> to be honest, I just liked living because I didn't have a good early life. I wanted to just live and enjoy myself and put that first. And it's work because now I'm absolutely obsessed with music and singing and writing. Mm. I'm obsessed with it. I do it every day. I wake up and write and listen to demos and see if I have people wanting to work with me, which is amazing. I had um, a good conversation with David Getter actually recently because obviously I've managed to get my latest single with him, which has been an absolute mm -hmm. dream come true. But the real story that I don't tell people in radio interviews when I'm going around promoting this song is that the label asked me to find a feature for the record because what? they said my songs that didn't have features on performed 40% worse than my feature that my songs that did have a feature on it. Now I've got to what? a point now where I've done all the featuring on everybody else's record and I'm trying to pull mm -hmm. favors in to get people to, to feature on mine. And David Getter, who I sent the email to, and he was, he's at a point in his career where he doesn't need to bother about who he's featuring on when he likes a tune, he likes a tune and he makes that happen. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But I said to him, you know, I had the same conversation about featured artists and, you know, how difficult it has been for for my journey to actually get people to listen to my shit when, yeah. you know, as we've spoken about a lot of the time, it'll be the male producer that gets recognition on it. And he said, well, it's funny you say this because for example, when he did Who's That Chick by Rihanna and him, he actually mm. felt like it was Rihanna and a lot of the features he was working with that got more of the credit than he did. And he was saying it's so difficult for me because I made the track and basically what we were saying about well I did the melody and I did the vocals and I did the lyrics yeah, he was saying yeah. about how he produced his own tracks and how wow. he would feel like he didn't really get enough recognition from the records either so I think it's gone in peaks and troughs I think there's been swings and roundabouts with stuff like that I feel like it's now in a trough for women, um, especially mm. featured vocalists, to actually get people to give a shit about their stuff. But I, I think... But isn't it David Getter that actually promoted Sia as well? Is he not the Sia person? Yes, exactly. Is and he, I did yeah. speak to him well, about that. At least that. he's helped some... I've mm -hmm. worked with loads of people, not naming any names, Fat mm -hmm. Boy Slim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as soon as he made it, he didn't care about us. We were in a band with him in the 80s. Well. He didn't give a doo-doo about us. And he, uh, me, if I made it, I would be working with everybody and I would pull everybody in that I knew. But I'm so glad that most of the musicians that I know went off to work with Amy Winehouse mm. and different people. We were all in his band. So what? that's another thing. When people make it, sometimes they're so selfish. They're like, no, we're, we're at the top now. You're, I call it the Tarzan syndrome. You know, you see in Indiana Jones, uh, we're in Alliance. Yeah, we've got the diamonds now and then... One of them gets out of the gun, isn't it? And <laughs> right. it's like, no, 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 don't shoot me. And it's this fight to the very end. Well, that's what it feels like. It feels like they've made it and you're like, give me a blind. Help me now. Sometimes Help it me. can be the labels, and they come though. And they, 
They come and step on your fingers, on your toes. No, no, it's them. It's them. If they're the artists, if you're that big, the yeah. artist calls it. Slim has got, you can, no one can say who he wants to work with, surely, yeah. It call, someone like that calls it. Plus, yeah, if you, you're doing, if you're getting a load of load of samples and you're doing, I got to praise you like a... Don't use the original. Go on, you know my name. You know that I'm there in South London. Come on, give us a break. Give people a break. But no, it's not. It becomes about ego and it becomes all about them and how powerful they are. And they're loving being at a great height, looking down on us struggling down here. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, isn't Todd like... Terry does that you know, all the time I, and it's really pissing you know, me off. I tell him off every time. And I've really mentioned it crossed. to him. I've mentioned it in interviews. And we've done tunes together, but he's like, he's even like he doesn't want me to write one line so I don't get any writing credit. That's just greedy. Yeah, that's messed up. He'll use it. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, really bad. I don't mind saying it because I say it to him every single time. It's disgusting <laughs> what he's doing. So after all these years of him sampling me, not giving me credit, and then re-releasing the sample, sample tunes, which he did um, only recently with Dennis Quinn, he did a re-release of this Lime Life track, and that he did really well. He was playing at Tomorrowland, and I looked at the track. It's like he's not mentioned me again. What's wrong with him? So I told him, we went in the studio, and I said, you need to start mentioning me. It's wrong on records, and I've written some of this, and he's like, no, 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 no. He'd rather drop whatever I've written than have me down as a writer. Wow. And that's greedy, or ego. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's saying he's a legend, but he should be a generous legend, because it's, you know, yeah, it's Yeah, yeah, what is that? That just comes down to greed again. You know, it's greed and power. How do you think, like, we can change this? Because there's clearly there's these flaws in the system Will it ever change where the vocalist is protected and has some autonomy? Yeah, you've got to work with people who give you more credit and uh, are more respectful, I think. And it's for me personally, because I haven't got managers have said, I just have to do it through emails and I try not to do it through phone calls. But if, if they're not going to give me any credit, I make it clear before I sign any contract. If I've just spent time writing everything with you, you know, I want to mm. hear it first. There's some people who release it without me hearing it first which I hate. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's messed yeah. up that that happens. It really yeah. messed up. And you and they don't tell you what the release date is. And then they end up, it, it happened with Salado and Yusuf. I've got a track coming out. They don't want them to come out on the same date. Why don't they communicate with me and we can work out so that they've not got a double, you know, like two tunes out on the same day. It doesn't work. For people like mm-hmm. me, you know, I'm not the big, big name. I'm just doing these tunes, these collaborations with people. And if I had one with Yusuf, that's great. And then one with Salado, that's great. But to both coming out at the same time, it loses it a little bit and it's a shame. Mm. I think it's very difficult and I think it might slowly be moving, you know, especially in the Mm. producer world. I definitely think people like Sherelle and Tisha, you know, artists Mm. like that who have worked really hard and are very, very talented and have been noticed purely because of that. You know, Molly Collins and it's those sorts of women who are really championing the producer side of things, which I think is definitely needed. In terms of how are we going to do it, how are we going to make progress in the vocalist world, I think you only realise how to treat people once you've been fucked over yourself. I think that's a really, it's a really hard lesson to learn if everybody's been blowing smoke up your ass, telling you how amazing you are, how amazing mm. your track is, telling you, oh, well, you've done all of this. And actually, until you've been a part of that machine where you have been chewed up, spat out, and nobody's given you like a second to think about, you know, it might not be you, darling, who was completely responsible yeah. for yeah. the track. It is only... Yeah the people on the other side that go, right, like now, whenever I release a song now and I get asked about it, I don't care if the people listening to the radio show or listening to the interview don't know who I'm talking about. I will mention those people anyway. You know, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that's really important mm. because if I start mentioning that name and they go and talk talk about it to somebody else and and they work with somebody else yeah. and somebody else is in there talking yeah. about their tune and all of yeah. a sudden you're mentioning... And they can Google. Yeah. You're teaching them something they can Google. And I know Jaguar does that all the time as well. And you, you do, you end up looking, who's that? And listening, 
for the person googling them like you say angie you know mm, yeah it's really important though to have backup especially on places like rate your radio ones and producers and people like you if you mention somebody then people who follow you they'll go yeah. and have a look and go and have a listen where they might not have done yeah. otherwise but they're trying to start a singer songwriter alliance they are, are they? trying to do that and uh because a friend of mine was running it but it, it is really difficult to set up like something that's like a like a ppl or mm. a you know some an association it's really hard because it's been happening for so long. It's I mean, needed. But I think that all good things get there in the end because I'm kind of glad that I didn't wasn't too successful in my early years because it's made me the woman I am, you know, with the cleaning and the catering jobs and the, oh, making the sandwiches and you've got runny nose and oh, a bit of butter on your face and whatever. And then, you you know, you rush off to the next gig and you sing the song and then you work in the egg box studio and you leave from the egg box studio and I've got to get home to my mum and dad and have a little kip. Then I've got a gig that night and you're there singing all the Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Then you go to the next gig and the next gig. And all these things have made me the person that I am today. Maybe, just maybe, without them, you know, if they didn't rip me off, where, where would I be today? Because I was, it, it, look, you're going to hear of me 30 years later, you're still going to be talking to me and, and, and that tune is still going to get played. Because it's really only the one massive, massive tune that I've had. And I didn't write it. It was a sample, but people still know it. And actually, they know my name as much as Bizarre Inc. They, they really do. Oh, they know that I'm the voice of Bizarre Inc. But you could say Angie Brown and people go, oh, Angie, I know Angie. And you're very loved as well. Thank you. And that's, that's re it's really important, though, as well. And I don't say I'm glad I've been ripped off and I'm glad this has happened. I'm really not. I would have loved to have made it. I would have loved to have had a deal when I was younger. Yeah. But... I'm just lucky to be here and, and be out of um, and, and happy and happiness is everything. Yeah, yeah, I want to be. Yeah. But I also, um, it's like um, who, do you call them who? WHO. And I've done a few tunes with them. But uh, they've done tunes with Now Rogers is the recent one. But he asked me to do a tune with him in Tiesto and 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 um, Laidback Luke. But he didn't want me to, didn't want my name mentioned. What? He just wanted me to sing no. because, and it was a Shirley Shirley Bassey sample, and he wanted me to spill in, you know, make it a, a, a top tune. And I went, "You can mm. piss off, you can." Mm. I don't give a shit if it's <laughs> Tiesto and Laidback Luke. They're really, really good. But I went, "You can piss off because if I'm not getting credited, what's the point? I don't want the money from from. I don't want the money from the players either. I don't want the royalties, no. which I would have got. I don't. I want to ask. So. Um, from what we've spoken about, like it's, it feels like when you are working with other artists and if there's major labels involved, etc., it, it does as we've as we've discussed. Like it feels like there's you're always pushing and pulling, trying to get your name on it, trying to get control. Not like how do you actually make sure you have control over what you're putting out there? And you know, even in terms of how they want the track or the artist to be marketed, like is there a real pressure when you're working with other artists to, I suppose to to give in and I don't know succumb to what they want from you Becky do you want to I personally had this battle especially at the beginning of my career because I basically didn't want to be the face of my career I didn't feel confident enough that people would find me attractive or people would like my face or my body or you know and I was I went on the voice because the whole premise of the show was that people didn't see your face but people listened to your voice and I think mm. it was mm. actually Ella Eyre who turned around to me when I was about 20 23 and said Becky you have to be the face of your brand otherwise you nobody can connect with you and I think that was the turning point that was actually shit I need to be in my music videos I need to be this that and the other and actually like I'd been doing features but nobody would let me in the music video and it was only until I did Wish You Well with Sagala that that was the first video in 10 features over my my nine eight nine year career that I was allowed in the video when That's I did weird. when we did Lose why? Control because you look amazing with I Medusa. don't get it why but I think this is the point I think especially if you're not represented right and and this yeah. comes back to my point about singers who don't have managers if you don't have somebody mm. taking your side and battle in your corner then the managers of the successful dj they're always going to want the main focus to be that guy 
you know, yeah. to be the faceless DJ who doesn't need to be in his videos. And you're obviously talking to three very strong-minded and strong, three strong-willed women. But if you don't have a team around you or you don't have a manager to back up what you're saying, and even to the point where, you know, my manager is male and I have an assistant manager who is female and, mm. you know, she's been in my dressing room, answered the door and it's been another artist's manager and he's gone, oh, are you the stylist? I want to talk to the manager. Oh, wow. And she's Jesus like, Christ. I'm the fucking manager. So, yeah. you know, that's really difficult, but I definitely think creative control is conducive to the people that you are working with and the people that you have around you to be able to back you up and lift you up. Yeah, yeah I think having a team with you that support you yeah. and see you yeah. and are just going to fight for you, I think is, is really key. And here as well, like this is quite topical. Um, I wanted to talk about this. Ray, an amazing vocalist, artist, songwriter, literally countless top tens, just sick and she last night announced that she was leaving her label after sharing recently that she's been on an album deal for seven years and despite having all this huge success across the globe she still hasn't been able to put out an album and I just wanted to see what you guys thought of all that and um, I thought it was really powerful. Yeah, she's just had a massive hit as well, hasn't she? Yeah, she and that's has. why I was yeah. so shocked. She's had the biggest so song shocked. of the yeah. year. I think yeah. Yeah. I had this conversation last night with Emanike and um, mm -hmm. it it's a really, it's a really interesting thing because I think Ray should always, and any artist should be able to speak their truth whenever they mm. need to, whenever they want to. But I'm going to caveat this in saying that from a young age, when I joined the music industry, I realized that slagging off Radio One, for example, like Lily Allen has done it, Dizzy Rascal has done it, and their shit never got played on Radio One again. And I've seen yeah. that you slag off your label, you will get dropped. And this was another situation. Now, I don't know if Ray wanted to leave that relationship with Polydor, and that's why she tweeted out all of that stuff about Polydor. I don't know whether that was her plan, but all it seemed to me was that she was frustrated in the fact that Polydor didn't want to let her release her album until she'd had a string of hits on her own back. And I have also been in that scenario where actually I've had a re an album ready to go for, for years, but actually it was only until I've released four singles in the last 12 months. And this one that I've released now has been the only one to hit the top 10, even though mm -hmm. I was having success with, you know, Wish You Well, which was a massive song, you know, and, yeah. and other features that I've had, I've had 12 top 40 records. And wow. I have, Jeez. it's been 10 years later that I've been able to do my debut album. But the thing mm. is also, if I'd have released it any sooner, I'd have thought I'm not actually, I haven't got enough consumer interest or consumer commitment to be able yeah. to release an album, to be confident that actually people are going to listen to the shit I've worked really hard on. Like, I think where Polydor was coming from was that we know you've had all these hits. And this is what I'm saying when it comes to, you know, it doesn't matter how many hits you have. You as an artist, especially as a female, and in Ray, Ray's case, especially a female of color, you know, mm. she's got to work doubly hard as anybody else to get people to be actually interested and invested in her as an artist, not just the girl that sang and wrote bed or, you know, because that's how people will look at these featured artists and it's fucked up. It's not right. But at the same time, I'm sure Ray wouldn't want to release her album prematurely and for it to not go top 10 on the album charts. Like mm. this is where, this is where the balance has come. Like I've had similar conversations with my label, but I've already, I've also known that what the label is, what Polydor is saying to me, I need to listen to because they're not going to try and screw me over. They're trying to make mm. money out of me. I'm trying to make money out of me. Like we're all trying to yeah, do the same true. thing. <laughs> so for me, I wouldn't have wanted to have released my album any sooner than I have, than I have that I am doing because people wouldn't listen to it. And I've spent 10 years trying to get people to listen to my shit and take me seriously. Ray probably mm. has 
a little bit more work to do. And I felt like there was a bit of patience that maybe needed to be had. But I understand how frustrating it is for mm. artists not to be able to be stuck in a situation where they they feel stifled creatively because she's switching genres. She wants to make R and B music or she wants to make a different type yeah. of music. And A and R's are yeah. just going, Well, R and B doesn't work in this country because low key R and B, there's not enough black people in this country to make R and B successful, whereas there is in America. Let's just put that out there for one. Yeah. Wow. And dance mm, music wow. is only successful because there's white people making it using black people and sampling it, making it beige enough for white people to consume. And that's why it's the most successful genre at the moment. That's not why I joined dance music. And that's why I started doing that. That was because I love dance music. You are so wise, Becky Hill. You are so wise. I mean, I I had a record deal in America. It was the mid 80s and it was four white boys and me. And we were doing jingly jangly before Skunk and Nancy good old rock pop music and we got this massive record deal in America but they didn't know that I was black and when I got there it was like not long after (laughs) not long after that we got dropped you're joking yeah yeah it was literally people in the office saying right she's black we don't know how to market her and I just thought Wow. wow we live in a really racist world because I grew up listening to David Bowie and you know some Motown and some Steve and some Jackson 5, but I like Lulu as well. And I liked Dusty, Springfield. So I just didn't get it. When you're a kid, you don't even know half of anything about racism. You just like music. Yeah, and that could be Carol King, winter, spring, summer, fall, whatever. I like what I like, yeah, and I, you know, I was in this rock band called the called the Doves. They were called the Thrashing Doves, and they got a massive deal, and um, they were on the edge of making it the whole time. And uh, basically, then they changed the lead singer. I was the backing vocalist, but became the lead singer. We had a massive deal, got flown out, and a had a masseur on the set, you know. But even back. <laughs> Then they had a, a really, really sexy woman in a in a shower getting wet and they did a silhouette thing. And I thought, oh, it started. I'm not going to be in my own video. Wow. And I, it happened to me in Bizarre Inc. many times. But um, to get back to the point, yeah, they did not know that I was... Because it's just singing. If, if your voice fits with country, so what? If it fits with reggae, so what? If it fits with jazz, blues, so... It's just music. I can sing any genre. Okay, and I thought, oh, it's just a little little pop rock stuff, and they 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 just said we 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 don't know how to market this, we don't know, how to... and we got dropped. I do think there is a problem with white people appropriating black music, and I'll talk about a post that I saw. Now, Defected Records have been a a record label that have been um, a flagship in my life with the music that's been produced for, off that label. Absolutely. And I think, and I will caveat this by saying, I think Defected are an incredible label. Now, yeah. there was a there was a post that they put up on Instagram where they put. All the R&B music that has been turned into dance songs, right? What they meant to say was black music that has been appropriated by white producers to make dance music. Right. And they listed all of the songs. So from Whitney to there were so many songs. If I had a choice, Khalees. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, and that went to Robert Soros. I think I've said his name right. And, you know, that's it. And, you know, and there was so many. It's a great tune, Joe. It's an amazing tune. You're so right. Don't call it R&B. Call it what it is. It's black music. Exactly. And, And don't, you know, they were kind of trying to give credit in a roundabout way, but it was coming out as like... It was basically look at all the songs we have used to make money out of out of black music without actually having to really talk about black music. And I think that Mm. is a problem. And the thing is, they probably posted that out very, very innocently. But what my issue is, is that those samples are getting cleared and then normalizing that sort of post to put out. Oh, yeah, it's fine. We got the sample cleared. Whitney's team cleared it. It's fine. We can talk about it. 
what you've got to remember is that this is music that is popular, but then appropriated to become more popular without recognizing yeah. that it's black. Yeah. And crediting I mean. those artists, those original artists. 100%. I actually want to ask about like the ethics of sampling as well, because like I listen to a lot of tracks from my radio show, like from new up and coming producers. You know, people might have just made these in their bedrooms and you know, a lot of people make disco edits, you know, designed for the club, but they're reworking a lot of old soul, a lot of old disco. And there's been instances where these tracks would go out to be released. But what I always find mad is like, how do they get away with releasing this new edit? And, you know, might have added a kick drum and beefed up a bit. But like the track is essentially the the amazing track that was made back in the 70s, 80s. But they release it under their own name. I know. That's yeah, what it's gets a new artists because it's their angle. They would have replayed but do you think everything. That's, do you think that's right? Do you think that's right? Well, I think it's good if you didn't know the artist originally. Say mm. like the Fijis and they did Killing Me Softly. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, if you were a kid and you've never heard it, I mean, us the mums are going, oh, this came out originally, whatever. And the kids go, no, nah, mum, it's a really cool track. <laughs> and we're like, no, the original is this. You know, did you ever hear that um, that ain't nobody? There was a really drippy, drippy ain't nobody. I'm sorry, I don't want to run the artist down, but there was a really weird ain't nobody. Oh, what the when they yes, yes, no, I'm not, horrible. I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to. I'm sorry, young lady. <laughs> uh, that I'm not being negative horrible. about your singing voice. Vanilla, but the the, the song, original yeah. was better. And every time yeah. it came on a te- television advert, me and my boys would fall over ourselves to get the remote. You know, because <laughs> it was so. <laughs> watered down yes ain't nobody mm, love me better but then i could go off and find the original and say to the boys no this is the original this is shaka tearing her heart out and singing with every mm. you know every bit of love and breath that she's got so you know it can be educational but if it happened to you and someone used your vocal re-released it as their track didn't credit you Oh, that happens all the time because my my vocals are available on this. Mm. Uh, and so, licensed. are you cool with that? Well, you know what? I knew about it. It was called Sample Phonics, so people could go on there and buy. There's literally on Sample Phonics. We just got them to take it down recently. My okay. my publisher. Now the publishers these days for me acts like my label or label management. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, about ten years ago, there was samples. There was a thousand of them, or nine hundred and ninety nine available. Available in different keys. So I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one's going, baby, baby. Oh. And then another one going, I love you, brother. And it's low. And then another, oh. whatever, whatever it was, I sang it. And then, and then people were constantly emailing me going, oh, I've got a new track out and we're featured. On, and you'd hear it. And it was like a bedroom mix of some rubbish tune. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like really bad kick drums. And, the and then, you know, baby. You hear me, and I think, oh my god! And now it's gone up on iTunes. So if you put iTunes, you put Angie Brown iTunes, you'll see <laughs> thousands of tracks. Come, well, hundreds of tracks come up, and I'm I'm on them. And but, you're cool with that. Um, well, they've, they've asked me I'm, to do a sampling. Todd you know. Terry even asked me to do one as well, where you just sample your voice. But I've spent so long trying to find out which tunes I'm on and getting getting credit for it that I wouldn't do any sampling things even when I've been skinned and I've thought should I I'm not even offering loads of money they're offering me about two grand to do a load of little little um, top lines and stuff and it's like no I'm worth more than that I can't do it because I've only been offered like in the recent years but I would be gutted it's it's horrible hearing your voice on something that's awful and I mean, I've heard some really yeah. bad things mm, that they've done yeah. with my voice and speeded it up. So I'm like pinky and perky. And it's like, it's bollocks. And some of them have done really well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really into the, what DJs think with my, with my voice. But as I said, it made quite a lot of money. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't choose for it to be used like that. Just before we go, I ask everyone this on the podcast. Um, this is the Utopia Talks podcast. And my question for each of you is, what is your utopia? My utopia is definitely the right balance of music in my life and love. And that just makes me really whole, whether it's the love of my children or driving or just waking up and thinking, feeling good. But I really, I met someone online. I'm sorry, but it was online. But I just feel really whole. I feel really happy in my in my private life and I feel really happy 
being able to sing. So actually, I'm having my utopia yes. right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm having it. I really am. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I love to hear that. Buzzing. Everyone says it. You're glowing, Angela. So I know. Angie, that was amazing. Rowetta, what's, what is your utopia? I'm just re- really being free, obviously, from um, a re- a bad relationships and having my children are really healthy and happy. My mum lives around the corner. I've not done a gig for ages and I need to be on stage. Not everybody. I've been in the studio every day almost and that's been brilliant and writing, but I, I can't live without performing. Yeah. Becky, what is your utopia? My ideal utopia would be to see as many women at the top as men, to see more working class people in the music industry would be to see a more diverse and cultured industry with people at the top of record labels who are black women, to see more disabled people, to see more trans people, to see more, to see a wider range of women and people in the music industry that aren't just public schoolboys with rich parents. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well said. Really well said. Wow, how incredible to hear from three forces of nature there. I'm in awe to hear from these strong, resilient women about their experiences in the industry. And hearing Angie Brown's live vocals, is ah, anyone else get goosebumps? Huge love and respect to Becky, Angie and Rowetta and all the vocalists out there. And thanks again to Katie Baxter for producing this episode. And if you love this podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. Take care of yourselves and I will see you next week. Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.